0: Hello and welcome to Just Keep Writing.
1: A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent.
0: And I'm Will. And we're back again with Brent to talk about Unnecessary Chaos, but this time with magic. Nick, uh, lead us through the conversation about magic that we're going to have with Brent. Go for it, buddy.
1: Look. I'm just going to throw it out there, you can't talk about magic systems and just limit Brent and his experience and expertise to just mm-hmm. one novella. So tonight we're going to start, well, I want to know how you build the magic system, and then we're going to whittle that down into what decisions and how you put the magic system in a necessary chaos. So almost a little two-parter here. Here we go. Describe writing this magic system in three words.
2: Okay, three words: building a magic system. Um, uh, thematic would be the first word. Uh, second word I would say is um enjoyable. Um, and the last word would be ooh, I know. Um, expansive. Yes. Okay, there we go. All right, so um thematic i i tend to prefer fantasy stories where the magic is saying something about the world and the 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 story that it's being told and kind of um reflective of like that world in some way so like for instance um you have uh, let's uh i'll Bring up an example that's not mine's. Um, Final Fantasy Seven. you have the Shinra Corporation. They're digging for Materia, you know, and, and it's, it's a magic system built on, um, resource ex, uh, exploitation. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and you see it in how the uh, there's, there's pollution and corporate excess and so on and so forth. So it's saying something about the world. Our, um, you have something like you have something like uh the the one ring and Lord of the Rings, how thematically it's saying something about power and possession and what happens when you try to when you try to control everything and want everything and what that does to a person. Um I, I, and I would say necessary chaos, I think thematically I was going for trying to create magic that showed um that that showed all the worst parts of um a capitalist society or, or, or are overtly like oligarchical world in a way um so yeah so that's thematic. enjoyable uh is more personal like i don't want to read about magic that i'm not or i don't want to write about magic that i'm not actually that i don't actually think is cool or that i'm not having fun with or you know I want to, I, I want the magic to feel like. I just want to have a great time with it because. Uh, I mean, I'm a comic book guy uh, at, at at heart, and and one of the things I always hated was like <laughs> when the character would have this lame power. I'm just like this, <laughs> this. This sucks. I don't want to read about this guy that can that can like create ice cream out of like nowhere, which actually <laughs> could be a fun story maybe, but. <laughs> yeah. um, so expansive so expansive for me is, uh ties into how i am as a world builder i always am thinking about all these things and that exist outside of the actual story all these places and peoples and cultures and whatnot because i always like my worlds to feel like there's a thousand other things going on and that includes like and so i, I try to think about that when i'm when i built the magic system too it's like even if it's just one particular type of magic, well, how does this magic look in the in another culture? Or how does it uh, how does it operate in a society with a different biome, or you know, so on and so forth, things like that. So, um, yeah, the, that's the three ways I kind of approach building it in my own work. Um,
1: so, when it comes to like you hit on a, a couple of different things that I kind of wanna jump back into um, the enjoyable aspect. Talk to me about when it comes to a necessary chaos, like what was the best part about building that magic system?
2: I think the best part about it for me was, um, not even so much the fight scenes and all that. It was more so, um, thinking about what the long-term consequences of using these powers were because, um, thematically I was trying to talk about excess, right? So I really wanted to, uh, Kind of, kind of explore like okay these people have these powers Well, these powers have they come with consequences right they come with um they it kind of like anyone who ultimately serves as like a tool of empire like they they end up getting crushed by it in some way shape or form so that was kind of like the most fun part to think think about like oh well if they use this two voice too long they're gonna not be able to talk at all or Oh, if they, you know, that um, that they create these diseases and they'll end up killing them in the long run. Whatever. I just wanted to kind of like it was kind of fun thinking about the long term consequences because it added a bit of, um, at least for me, it kind of like helped me shape the characters a little bit too. Because what kind of people are willing to continue to use these powers knowing what it could do to them in the long run? Well, and it's interesting.
1: I, I mean, I, I've further questions on consequences of your magic system here that i'll dive into uh but you talk about two voice and and things like that
2: i gotta know like what's the inspiration around that one um it is just basically uh magical code switching uh (laughs) always like i I wanted to um kind of like create something like where where like I don't know, I was thinking about because it was spies, right? And I was like, okay, well what kind of like magic would be really cool for a, a spy to have? And I'm like, oh, well, if if they could kill you while it, 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 just talking having a casual conversation with you, like that'd be kinda that'd be kinda hard to detect that if you you don't even understand, like you don't even know that the words they're saying are actually like words that can harm you. Like I was like, Okay, that's kinda cool. So I kinda like wanted to build on that and then um Yeah. And then, like I said, thematically, it just kind of like was like code switching made manifest in a way. So you have these two these two gay black men that they can talk in a language that they can understand. But a lot of other people can't. So, yeah, I just I just thought that was interesting. And now going based off our previous
1: episode that we had with you guys with you last time riding through the hard times. How much of this magic system was developed because of the hard times you had right
2: through? So I would say that was actually um, the magic was probably one of the few things that like remained fun for me throughout the entire process. Like that was something that actually wasn't really that wasn't really gut wrenching at all. Like the magic actually was probably one of the parts that like stayed fun, stayed like not I wouldn't say easy, but easier to write through than anything else was like getting the magic right. So, um, yeah, if anything, it was probably a grounding force in the writing because it wasn't hard. It was fun. So, yeah, so I don't think that was really tripping me up too much. Now, one of the other words that you mentioned was
1: expansive. Yeah, um, obviously, like you've got an affinity for building magic systems. We've all seen it. Um, you have a really, really good background when it comes to comic and fan fiction and things like that. So talk about the expansiveness of this magic system. Like, how, did you have to whittle it down? Did you have to like pick and choose what you had to eat? <laughs> I, uh, you I, smiled, smile, but I know the answer. I, just tell
2: everybody else. <laughs> I had to whittle it down so much. I had to whittle it down a lot. Like, wow, I don't know what I was thinking, thinking I was going to try to put all this in there. But yeah, man, it was like, there was like seven pillars of magic and each pillar had like, like (laughs) two different kinds of magic underneath it. And so it was just like, it was, it was a lot. Like I had like, yeah, there was so much going on. And I I was like, I don't know how the hell I thought I was going to fit this in like 200 pages, but yeah, so I definitely, it definitely did not start off as three. It started off as more like 11, and there was like 11 <laughs> classifications of people. And then like, and yeah, I just had to like, there was just no way. And and Dave was polite about it. He was very much like, you have a lot of cool ideas, and I really like them, but we have got to be able to make this fit into like a novella. So yeah, it was, it was quite a bit. I love that. Will?
3: That makes me think. Did you have to whittle it down because it was a novella? Could you have added more if it was a
2: novel? Oh hell yeah. If it was a novel, I definitely would have like kept a lot of more of it. Um because so the novel I'm working on now is not like that is not as it, it's not as many like different types as like ne- the earlier drafts of essay chaos, but I'm definitely able to fit a lot more different things in it. So yeah, I think if I if I think if this had been a novel, I definitely could have probably fit in a few more of these ideas. I probably still would have needed to to whittle it down some unless I was trying to put out like a Robert Jordan tone, which, you know, <laughs> that's not as feasible in publishing nowadays. So unless I decided to self-pub. But um yeah, so I think, yeah, I think the consideration of the novella and just trying to make sure I got everything else into it that needed to get into it required some of these uh, magic systems to be tucked away.
0: I got more follow-up questions, Marshall. Well, I, I was going to say, if it's not a Robert Jordan tome and like the big epic fantasies can kind of get away with this, right? Um, the Brandon Sanderson's of the world or whatever you want to say. But I guess what I'm curious is if and we've talked in the past um, about continuing in this world, do you think there's a way did you leave yourself an opening to bring in some of those other pillars and stuff like that if you absolutely. were to continue this, right?
2: Absolutely. I
0: definitely okay. did.
2: So yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely did. And I mean, I can tell y'all with that, it won't be a spoiler, but the yeah. fact that like they were trying to tap into other dimensions was my was my um opening to bring in other types of magic if I so chose to. So that was like, you know, my little like. Oh well you know if if I come back you know i could uh if I want to I could you know flavor it up some and add some more, and you know, so yeah i definitely left i definitely left a back door, and that's just kinda like that's just kind of me in general I'm always leaving like I, I feel like i i like leaving back doors for to introduce more things or or at least always putting a hint out there that there is more and like there is that there, there is you know there's other things out there, so um. Yes, yeah, so it, it, it could definitely happen. I definitely did not discard the notes. Like all of those notes are like in my in my um salvage for my salvage document. So like I could always go back to it later if I need to. But yeah, yeah, it, was, it, it, it there's definitely inroads for it. Ooh, I like that because we know one of the
1: biggest feedback that you've received is everyone wants it longer. They want more of it. Yeah. So you've got the room there. I, I think it's super fascinating kind of just how you tied everything together. One thing I want to ask you about too, is, is let's say like, let's look at Sanderson, all these epic fantasy guys and a lot of fantasy in general that I've seen is, you know, I think, I think Harry Potter is one that really does this in the beginning here. I know roll your eyes, but it's a good example. Unfortunately, um, introducing people to the magic by using a character who is being exposed to it for the first time. Um, that's something that is a traditional trope in fantasies. You however, don't do that. You kind of jump right in there. What was your decision into doing that? And you know, what was the thought process behind how you were going to introduce your audience to this magic
2: system? So for me, and I'm not going to say I would never, ever use that trope and it doesn't ever have its place. I think it certainly does. And it is a it is a useful tool on some fronts. But I also feel like sometimes it can be it can feel a little bit. I don't know, it can feel a little bit like it caters to um, a certain kind of gaze, where it's like the story is always about. This um, this this wide eyed outsider who comes into this culture that they don't understand anything about, and they get they get all this stuff yeah. fed to them, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, no, I wanna I wanna be right there in the culture, I wanna be right there in the mix of it, in the heart of it, where you know these things that like that for me, you know, may not feel like like my typical everyday is just like, oh well, you just gotta roll with it, go with it, like figure it out along the way. So um. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's, I feel like there's, uh, there's a way to do the. I don't know what this is, so explain it to me without it feeling a bit like the, a regurgitation of the um, hero's journey because that's what a lot of that feels like too. Just like, I don't know. Like I, I have issues. The more I read of Joseph Campbell, the less I'm like enthralled with the hero's journey. So I don't know. Like I, I definitely like don't I don't aim to ever do that with my stories. I think mine's even I'm thinking now even about the novel. I'm like trying to revise even that's more like we're just in it. You're in it like figure it out. We're going to we'll catch you up on some stuff, but other stuff you're going to have to like it's not going to be spoon fed to you. It'll all be laid out there, but like it'll be I like to layer it more into the story, I guess.
3: Well, my question is then you talked about like, all right, we're already going to be in the culture. I think what's interesting about that is that even if you're already steeped in the culture, you're still trying to figure things out. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you it still can present a way for you to um create newness and to still yeah. have fresh eyes because, you know um, with art, you could be surrounded by artists and you're still trying to find your way as an individualized human being and the way you're going to create art. And I feel like magic can work the same way because all of these people use magic in a different way, you know, versus where we have like that farm boy or that new person seeing magic, which does get tired. But I wonder how much of that stems from people writing from a perspective in society where they're not, where they are the, the, uh, dominant culture. So it's like their version of trying to be like what it would be like for someone alien to come in differently. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh yeah.
2: No, hundred percent. I mean, I think of like, I don't know. I think of like my recent trip to like, uh, Europe, like when <laughs> I can just imagine how obnoxious I, it, it, it must be when, like Americans come over to some of these places and they're like, well, why do you do this? Why do you do that? What's that mean? Well, where's that Or where's this thing that I'm normally used to? And it's like, you know, sometimes you just gotta like dive in and figure it out. Or like you do your research beforehand, or I don't know. I think like there's there's different ways to approach a character learning things in the story than them just being like doe-eyed, wide, wide nose, like they just don't know anything about the world and it just all gets spoon-fed to them. I don't think that's how most people operate. I think people come in with their people come people come to a place with their assumptions and their understanding of how things work. They don't come like blank slates. And I think that's usually my issue with a lot of those like POVs when you have someone who doesn't know anything about the world. It's almost like they're coming in as a blank slate. And they're just accepting all this new information without, without like any questions or any assumptions or any pushback or anything like that.
3: Yeah, you know what I think, too, is I think what's also interesting is I'm going to use Lee Bardugo's um, Shadow and Bone, the first book, where the main character, Alina and Mal, um, Alina is discovered to be a Grisha, which she never knew. And what I found about interesting about that hero's journey is that she was already steeped into it. She already knew all about the Grisha, but this was her first time of actually experiencing power that she didn't understand. So I felt like that was an interesting juxtaposition. You know, you're not having someone suddenly, Oh, I'm in this world. I also think there's a radical difference in telling those stories now, right? Like, trying to go away from the hero's journey um versus say when Star Wars came out right um now i feel like those type of stories will most likely work better or be a little bit more profound if it's middle grade or young adult you know because those kids are constantly you know when you're a kid you're constantly experiencing the world for the first time as an adult i think it is much more interesting to start in the world automatically.
2: Yeah. And I think like there is, there there there's so many different ways to give information. Like, because I think that's ultimately why people sometimes fall back on that is because they're not sure how else to disseminate information about this world that they're creating and like what's different or what's new about it. But I think sometimes when you have people who, I don't know, I'm thinking, I'm just going to throw a random example out there. Uh, there's a society that uses telekinesis to do all their construction, but you have somebody who comes from, who comes from a society where like, it's, it's like a sacred duty to lift things with your hands. They're going to come to all these telekinesis. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you, why are you not using your hands to lift things? Like you're all heretics. Like, that's a good way to deliver information. Like, it's like, you kind of like, I, I think like people, there's in conversation you can you can reveal a lot of information what what um startles somebody about something or what um, feels familiar about something or what feels like completely alien like just having characters react i think can tell you just as much as having someone who's just like arriving like a blank slate and just getting all this information dumped on them
3: back to you nick
2: i like thank you
1: channel five um (laughs) No, I really. So I I liked how you did that, Brent. That's something that I want to compliment you on is you really put us into the world and let us feel like we're we're living. We're getting used to the magic system as as the people are already there um, with that one. Now, consequences. This might be my favorite subject when it comes to magic systems. Give us a peek into what the consequences are of using magic in your world.
2: Well, so like for instance with um with two voice, eventually using it will cause you to not be able to speak at all like you lose all ability to speak and um so that's that's one with the consequence with the uh with the black nails, I'm trying to remember, but I feel like with the black nails like they eventually they they get consumed by their own their own these uh these diseases and things that these poisons that they create. End up consuming their own flesh and body, and they just kind of end up being like, did they just end up dying from it? And if I, uh, this, I'm going by memory here, but I feel like with the, with the pale skins, they, I think they end up becoming like just ravenous animals and they, have no sense of control. They lose all personhood. They're just like, they're just like uncontrollable beasts. So, and, um, yeah. So I wanted it to be, kind of like a consequence of where each source of power came from. So like two voice came from this dimension that's just literally just completely full of like, they don't have the sound is nothing but screams like screams is all you hear. Like that's, that's basically what, what happens in this world is I was kind of thinking like overuse of overuse of voice. So, you know, you end up becoming a mute or, you know, people who, people who work with, uh, some I think of like a lot of like early healers who worked with like infectious diseases and the risk that they would have to run sometimes catching those diseases themselves. And then, you know, I, I thought about um people constantly used for war and how they get dehumanized and they become seen as less than human. So I was like, well, let's make that a literal thing here. And um, yeah. So I really didn't get to show those consequences in the novella they were more like talked about like i don't think you ever actually got to see them in full effect so i think if i was to that would be something i would do in in a a, any kind of potential sequel or prequel if i have an idea for one of those uh you would maybe see some of those consequences okay now i
1: know enough of you writing to know that consequences and magic always have like a deeper connection to current society and speaking to that can you talk about your magic system and what roles are current societal issues played into that?
2: Yeah, so uh, so the three dimensions kind of are uh, you know uh I think it was blight, war, and uh and torture. So um I was just thinking about you know what what things push forward, uh, like what things have pushed for uh, an economic system that, you know, has these powerful corporations in, in charge of so much. And, you know, you just look at, you look at across the world, uh, how many people have suffered and been uh, tortured working in a capitalist system? How many people have died from preventable diseases in a capitalist system? How many people have been Purposely exposed to disease in the capitalist system, and then of course war. Obviously, uh, wars for resources, war uh, wars for land, whatever, and so on and so forth. Like all these things have occurred in you know uh, in the capitalist systems. So that was kind of like my that was kind of like what I was thinking about. Like in in uh, I was extrapolating that when creating these different magic systems. I wanted. It, on each one to kind of be like, uh, like a like a dark, I guess, representation of of a negative consequence of having like unchecked capitalism. So yeah, that's that was my thinking with those three. I had a feeling, <laughs> and so I'm glad to ask you that question
1: to kind of like dig into the roots of that one and things like that and get through it. Now I'm gonna go to Marshall and Will. What is your favorite
0: part of the magic system that Brent built? Me or you first? Go ahead, Marshall. Uh, I don't know. For me, I think I just like the idea because I didn't really, I I picked up on it, but I don't think I kind of understood the real uh, the, the code switching thing. For me, means a lot. I mean, for me, like it's one of those things that we do and we're constantly doing. And in my life, I feel like I'm doing it 15 times a day. Like sometimes I'm talking to a student, I'm talking to a teacher, I'm talking to my wife and then I get to talk to some random racist white dude in the Safeway. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's one of those things where it's it's a magic system that I feel like is rooted in I don't know, everyday, but it's got some just badass teeth behind it. So that's 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 my favorite part. I mean, I think the
3: language of it all, actually, throughout the magic system. And, you know, I feel like, too, I like the magic system because I really like the characters. You know how some people read something because they're like, oh, the magic system's amazing. That shit turns me off. Um, I can't like a story. It does. I can't like a story because the magic system is so fucking great. All right. Like, okay. I've read books where the magic system was cool but the characters are flat and boring and I think the way that both of the characters and Unnecessary Chaos the way the magic works I feel like also enriches them and also tells a lot about them and the society that they're in and that to me is the most
0: interesting I would add too like the implications too, like um, the amount of ways you can solve problems too like like there's the scene um, uh, towards the end where they, uh, I can't remember the one of them's talking over the walkie-talkie and says something and and fucks a bunch of people up. You know what I mean? And it's just like puts everybody to sleep or something. And it's just like that's one way it could do, but like you could do all kinds of other things too. And like that was kind of I feel like the nice way. To to two voice them? I don't know. I am I and I just it feels like there's like you to, you said earlier, there's an expansiveness to it. And I know there's other ways and other cool, you know, other other things that can happen, but we just got to see this one, you know.
3: You know, now it's my I'm gonna ask a question, Nick. Um
0: No I'm passing the mic to you.
3: Uh, well tough. You're <laughs> going to sit down, um, watch your game. Um Brent, was it hard for you to take away some of that world building and to simplify it the magic yeah tell me about that
2: i, I, I it, it it wasn't just because like i think i've come to i've come to understand i think that's just my process when i write anything is that like i write it with the whole bunch of ideas and things in it and then i know i have to end up pairing it down later i'm going through that now as i'm like taking notes on the novel i'm like okay i gotta combine these two things i really don't need that thing like this can go away i think that's just i think my process is that i just kind of vomit a lot of ideas out in a story draft and then i have to just prune it later and and and, I, and the reason I also realized this is my process, because I tried to write something purposely doing the opposite thing. And I was so bored by like 5,000 words. I was like, I, I, I can't, I can't keep going. So I think it's just a natural part of my process that I throw a lot out there in the first draft and then shape it up later.
3: Mm-hmm. So my next question is, do you think magic has to have consequences to the user?
2: No, I think I think you have to do what works for the story. Right. Um, In my case, I was I wanted there to be consequences because I wanted to show that, you know, that the, the ruthlessness kind of under it all, that these people were willing to take a resource from from. From fucking hell dimensions, basically, <laughs> because it was like, oh, this is a resource that we can use and and, and, and we we might gain an advantage over the other. Like I wanted there to be a consequence to that. And I wanted to kind of show like that the ruthlessness of each of these different like empires and how like how much they were willing to do to one up the other, regardless of what it did to their own citizens and people. So I, I wanted there to be consequences with that because I think otherwise the the thematic messaging probably would have not succeeded. I think if I had like made it without consequences, but I don't I don't think every story needs them. Like I don't think Gandalf needed a consequence for using his magic. Like that's not his purpose in the story. Like he's that you know I don't think. Um, yeah, I. I, I And I don't know if this is in Sanderson's Laws of Magic or whatever, where he calls for consequences. I don't remember those laws, all of them. But I don't don't think... um, I think you need to do whatever works for the story. Whatever, like... I think whatever, like... um, And also, too, like, I mean, sometimes you may have multiple systems in a story where one has consequences and one doesn't. Or, you know, like, it just depends on... It depends on what you're writing. So ultimately, I think you got to do... Whatever works for the story.
3: Nick, back to you.
1: (laughs) So I actually want to answer the question about my favorite part of your magic system. And it goes back to one of your words that you use, expansive. Um, And kind of tying to what Marshall said. Two voice can be used for anything. Like, you know, and I'm going to tap into this and we'll chew me out later for it. But as like a former military person, like, I absolutely love two voice and like, the big world consequences of it, not just an individual consequence. Like you have some ramifications on world ending consequences there, um, which I really, really, really enjoy when you up the stakes like that without even, without even really trying, you know, you're letting the reader like kind of create the stakes on their own once they start figuring out, like everything that it could be used for, which is great. I want to know though, what did you have any outside like reading movies or shows, comics or anything like that that influenced this type of magic world or magic building, if you will? Cause I know you're a big
2: comic person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like honestly, so the extra dimensional source of the powers that comes straight from like Cyclops and Nightcrawler. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, like they they get their problems from other dimensions, and those and those dimensions happen to actually have living things in them. Like I think in uh in Nightcrawler's dimension, they have those little demons in them, and I think Cyclops's dimension had something in it. I can't remember what, but all right, you know, or even like something like um like Juggernaut's gym that gives him his powers actually comes from a, a magical dimension when it has its own guardian and everything. So yeah, so I definitely drew on that, a little bit of that uh, comic book tradition when I was thinking about where the power was actually sourced. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, I think with the, yeah, with the pale skins, there, there, there was there was a little bit of shadow cat in there with them and how they uh, kind of like operated and moved. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's definitely a, a good bit of comic book influence in it, I would say. If some of the other magic systems had remained, I would have been able to say, like, Buffy and, like, Wrinkle of Time, but those didn't survive the chopping block, so. At least for now. Oh, yeah, no, no, they're definitely in a salvage draft, so, you know, if I ever decide to <laughs> pull anything out or use them in another project, yeah, you never know. Yeah, oh, I love it, I
1: love it. Um, I'm actually going to turn to Marshall and Will again. Um, What questions do you guys have?
3: Did you think about the magic system as queerness, as how it's being used by queer characters?
2: Um, With two voice, yes. And especially two voice, I would say. so, Which is actually kind of part of the climax and the solution where they figure out how to kind of like, beat the demon a little bit is uh yeah like our language constantly changes it constantly evolves it's constantly we constantly come up with new ways to say things so no one else knows what we're talking about i mm-hmm. you know and it's uh language is a is an ever-changing model like i always get annoyed with people who are who are like particular about a certain type of accent or a certain way that people will say things. And, you know, there's someone who, um, someone said this and I can't quite, I'm not going to quote it. Right. But it was basically like, if you understand the idea of what someone is saying, why the hell are you policing the way that they say it? You understood what they said. So why does it matter that they didn't say it in this, grammatically correct sequence which correct grammatically correct is all is illusionary anyway because that just changes from with whoever's uh whoever's the dominant voice in society so so i would yeah so i, I queer i would say two points definitely has um it's definitely queer and it's definitely black in terms of like the way you know the language changes and um and also the power that the language has because there is definitely there's, I mean, you look at it, look how many people use uh like black queer ballroom culture words now when those words were just, they weren't used like that. Now they're like pretty much like commonplace. Like if I hear if I mean, pretty much everyone knows what slay means now. Everybody knows what T means. Like everybody knows like these, uh these words. So I think, I think there's power in it too. And people are starting to like, I don't know. that, And I have thoughts about it, but there's definitely something to say about the way that like queer and black language kind of infiltrates the wider uh, pop culture space and kind of like takes hold because it is, it, it is humorous. It is funny. It is cool. It is cool. It's kind of hip. So uh, yes, yeah, so I think all of that was at play.
3: I mean, I think just the other day, Nick learned about, beating someone's face and uh, yeah. i just was like you didn't know what that meant and you sometimes forget because like one is a, a makeup so artist cool and i fit in uh no because as like a makeup <laughs> artist and like doing the people that i've worked with and everything like that is just like yeah her face was beat and i will never forget one of my friend's ex-boyfriends was like wait a minute you because i i had said you know oh i beat her face and he was like wait you hit her and I was mm-hmm. like, no, her face was beat. Like we beat it with the brush. Like, like it looks great. There was makeup on there and he was just, he died laughing. He was like, oh my God, that is hilarious. But also like he got it. He was like, yeah. that is such a cool way to think about like, you know, makeup or art or yeah. anything. So I think that's really interesting. Go ahead, Marshall. Well, it,
2: oh yeah, Marshall, go, go ahead. ahead. I get Brent. No, what are go right, you going to say? You can finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say it's also kind of interesting like how that word now like we, we were talking about it and how that word actually comes from like, you know, trans sex workers and how they were having this to, to find a way to talk about the abuse that they were experiencing in almost a gallows humor kind of way. And I was like, you know, it's all it, so that language too is like it's um it, it helps empower us through difficult times. Like, you know, like um like the the whole thing about like, Oh, they clocked me. Like, you know, that was, that was, you know, that was their way of saying like, Oh, I think they, they know, they know who I am. Like, you know, they, they know I'm trans or, you know, I, I, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Just like we, we create these words as a way to talk about the hard things without other people knowing what, what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Marshall. Uh something that Will brought up earlier too about not having was it Will that brought up not having consequences or needing consequences for a magic system, right? Um, that's not necessarily this is what got me onto this thought, but like as you approach your next project, if you have magic systems, do you like as I know in one of my works, there's like there's a system, like how important is the system? You know what I mean? Like sometimes I don't know. Like sometimes there's just magic, right? So like yeah, yeah. with with your next projects, is there if there's a system? Did you approach it differently than you did with the necessary chaos? Was there is there anything behind it, or is there just magic?
2: Yeah. So um, there's definitely a system, but it is not as I don't think it's it's nowhere near as extensive as um as the as necessary chaos i think in this in this in my next project there's there's witches and um a witch has to pay a price to get her power to get his or her power because it's a gender neutral term in this world but um yeah so yeah the the uh you pay a price for whatever powers you get and so there's the there's a group of um there's a group in this uh Novel, they're they're um, yeah, they they should survive revisions. I can talk about them. Um, they're they're called the they're called the sewn witches, and the reason is because when they asked when they gave up whatever they well they gave up their ability to speak for their power, right? Kind of like almost a little bit like Cast but different. So they end up having to get this this wire sewn through their like lips and mouth, and their mouths are shut. So now they can only speak through other people and like they they and it's pretty painful when they speak through someone else. So like they have like these they have these uh the hate men. So, <laughs> so they have these guys like like wrapped up like Hellraiser, kind of like chains and all <laughs> and they roll them around on like these platforms and they speak through these guys or whatever. And you know, for me at the time I when I created that, I wasn't specifically thinking like, oh, they got that way because it was a price they had to pay. I was like, "Oh, that just is like a really cool image, and it's kind of gross, and I, I wanted to roll with it." So I think with this one, more than anything, I um, I did what was cool first, and then I built a system around what, I, what afterwards. So I just kind of like, "Oh, that's cool. That seems cool." Like I wanted to, I didn't want to create a system and then feel constrained by it. The whole story, I was like, "I'm just going to write it out first and do what feels cool and then like maybe find some kind of thread of commonality and but i kind of like one i was like okay if they just pay a price for their power then they can get whatever power fits for the story that's fine it's like one little one little thing but um yeah so this one's definitely a lot looser i would say in terms of like there's not really a specific three types of powers like the powers can be very very, but they all just have to pay a price for it or something
0: and I guess the, the up question to that too, is like, so what, what differently do you have to approach it differently as you present it to the reader then? Right. Because sometimes yeah. readers, especially readers of fantasy come to it, like, well, how does it work? I don't yeah. understand how it works. Right. So how do you, I guess, I guess there's, there's some way you have to package it. Right. Because, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, depending on the work and the system.
2: So for this project, um, I guess for me, the, the, the explanation is that, you know, so there, there's, uh, there's something akin to the cancer verse. I don't know if everybody knows what the cancer verse is, but in Marvel comics, there was this, um, event basically where they found a universe that death didn't exist anymore. And because death didn't exist, life just kept, Growing and growing and growing and growing yeah. until literally there was no space in this universe, like it was just full of life, and eventually it had to pop like a like a pus bump almost, and it broke into other universes. So in this in this project I'm working on, there's this there's this uh, multiverse that's kind of like that, and they're, they're drawing power from this multiverse. And the, my explanation for why all these different varied powers exist is because this place is so full of different kinds of life and energies and whatever that pulling from it, you could get whatever out of it. So that's kind of like the, one of the um, things happening in the background with this thing.
3: So then my question with that is like word count wise, when you think of like complex magic systems that way, just in that in general, do you think okay, I'm going to need about one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty thousand words to actually tell this?
2: So I think for me at least, I always like I've always been big on word economy too. So I'm trying to keep it at a hundred thousand. Um, we'll see what happens. Because the revisions are making me think I might be pushing this towards, like, the 110, 115 territory. But I don't know. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I think I think it depends on, like, how much of the comp- – Like, because, like, what I'm trying to approach it with this one is that, like, I'm not trying to show the full complexity in the first one. I'm trying to give a little hints here and there and have, like, kind of, like uh, – Three main points, I guess, of reference, but I do feel like if it's going to continue, it probably will need more and more words. So, like, because I'm thinking, like, I think Jen Lyons, I think each one of her books got bigger and bigger because each book showed more and more of the world. Or someone like even like um Max Gladstone, I think each one of his books got a little bigger in the craft sequence just because more of this world was being revealed and i think to successfully juggle all of that you're gonna you you do have to have some kind of increasing word count i think sanderson's running into that with his way of king's books like each one is that fourth one was absurd how long that book was (laughs) i'm working i'm still working my way through the first one but i've seen like these things on the bookshelf and i'm like jesus like each one it's getting bigger and bigger. And I almost think it has to in some respect, because like you're adding more characters, you're adding more magic, you're explaining more. So you, as you open up the world, there's, there's, there's got to be more to say. Right. Like it will almost be like you write your first book about the history of Virginia. Right. And it's one size. And then you write your next book about the history of the East Coast. Well, if it's still the same size as the book about the history of Virginia, you're going to be missing a lot of shit. So you got to you got to go bigger. So I think, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so I think you um, you don't really, I don't want to say you don't have a choice. So I'm sure there's people who've done, done it well and not really expanded. But at least for my money and what I tend to see on the bookshelves, I feel like if you're going to
0: continue in the world and you keep expanding it, you kind of don't have a choice with word count getting bigger. I mean, to give you an idea, we're talking 46 46- Forty-six hours on the audiobook for I think the second book and the third one was fifty-seven. God dang. Wow. <laughs> so like that's just <laughs> that's like a week. <laughs> yeah, it's so much time. That's why I listen to things really fast. But anyway, Will, sorry I cut you up.
3: No, it's okay. Um so what people do you read or have you read that? inspired you to create magic systems like what authors can you uh say for our listeners or for anyone who just reads of like these are the people that i love that you can really learn a lot from about how they build their magic
2: um okay so i would say uh max gladstone is my by far one of my favorites uh max gladstone i would say uh p Jilly clark I would say, uh, I, I'm going to say Brandon Sanderson too. Like, I mean, I know there's, there's a lot to critique with his stuff, obviously, but I do think the way he builds magic, there is a, there is a lot in it that's interesting and there's there's stuff to learn from it. Um, I would also say, I'm trying to think I had, I had another one on my head just now. I'm looking at my bookshelves as we're talking. Uh... But this isn't really like magic system, but I still think it's a system. Um, I'm going to use, uh, Pierce Brown and how he does Red Rising and like how he breaks out mm-hmm. the specifications of the different, the different, uh, races. I wouldn't say it's, it's not a magic system, obviously, but I still think it has the vibes of creating, um, a system almost in some respects. Um, who else? Well, I love Nia's magic in, uh, blood trials. Like I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Like, uh, yeah, like when when I talk about thematic, like that that felt very thematic in terms of like that world and uh, the story she was telling. Um
1: is there anyone else?
2: Oh, uh David Anthony Durham's uh Acacia trilogy is like one of my favorites cuz his the magic there is it's 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 very simple, but it's very, like, profound in how it's uh, handled. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll end there. Those are all my big ones.
3: Awesome. Nick? Brent,
1: as always, thank you for being part of the show and on the show and letting us ask you all these ridiculous questions. But we still got one more for you. Brent, what keeps you building magic systems?
2: Because they're fun and it lets me think of the impossible and also it just lets me think of like i don't know like sometimes the world feels like there's no easy solutions to it and there's nothing that like can fix some of these problems and sometimes it's just fun to imagine like oh hey they got magic solved problem solved <laughs> like you know are <laughs> like just imagining like are just imagining new problems i know that's kind of like I don't know. That's kind of maybe a little twisted to think about, but it's like, you know what? This problem in real life really, really sucks. Let me write about these people dealing with this imaginary problem. And it kind of like takes my mind off the, the, the real, the really terrible things. But, um, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, I I think that that's what keeps me going back to magic systems. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.